Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. back to the LARCast. Um, this is really just a podcast of a couple of beggars passing on to other hungry beggars where we've scored some food. Would you agree <laughs> to that? <laughs> like we were talking, we were talking pre-show of sometimes like we can come like all excited and ready to share some stuff. And, um, and we, we pass it on like, man, we've always been here. We've always seen it this way. Um, we've always been grabbing onto these things, but, but that's not, not the case. We've had lots of, lots of shifts, lots of, you know, taking turns, doubting things, rethinking things, you know, believing things now that, you know, our versions of ourselves 10 years ago would have, you know, argued with us and, and punched us in the throat over, you know, um, but I think, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just fun to get on here and, and just kind of be, just people who have discovered some beautiful stuff, some, some food, some good food, some really good food, some good news, and to be able to pass it on. So welcome to the Larkcast. We yeah. are uh, excited to, to pass on to you some things that we found helpful in our stories. Yes, dude, I would agree. We have stumbled across an endless buffet of perfectly cooked ribeyes, <laughs> seared to perfection. You know, someone's red gonna, lines, you know, someone's going to make lines a, running through the middle. <laughs> someone's going to make a t-shirt for you with that line. <laughs> yeah. Cause everybody in their minds is like, you can't have like, you can't have fantastic, delicious, perfectly cooked, seared, right. Medium rare, salted to perfection, little time, little butter crusted, right. You can't, can't have that. And then it also be a buffet unless the chef is King Jesus. See? <laughs> it's true. See that that changes. I mean, probably the only one that could pull that off. <laughs> it's true. So yes, Amen. I think we have someone across this, and Amen for it. And if we're being honest, uh, if I'm being honest, man, it's a it's a journey, right? Because it's a constant relearning of things. It's a constant seeing of things of what He's really like in light of what I've heard. If there was ever a parable in the Scriptures for me, dude, that played a really key role in like a rut row. Now that is opposite of everything I have been told and thought and even lived under is the parable that we're getting into today, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, if, uh, you've been in and around church for any length of time, uh, you'll, you will have heard this at some point, um, as you know, former pastors who used to, you know, uh, work under the mantra Sunday's coming and prepping sermons every weekend. Yeah. Uh, we have heard others preach on this. We've studied this. Uh, we've, we've even passed this um, along. So this one's going to be pretty familiar to you. It's referred to as the parable of, of the talents. It's cushioned in Matthew 25 with the bridesmaids parable of the talents. And then the one we're going to do next week, which is the sheep and and the goats. Uh, it's probably considered some of the hardest parables uh, next week's for sure. 
Um, but yeah, it's the parable of, of the talents and that's probably ringing a bell for you. You probably already, even immediately in your head, you're like, Oh, I know what that's about. And Mm -hmm. hopefully if you've learned anything in the Lark cast is that we are, I think bringing a little bit of a different lens, a little bit of a different hermeneutic. And what I mean by that is just how are we, how are we coming to an understanding? Like what is the lens and what is the filter through which we are kind of viewing these scriptures and these words of Jesus. And you can tell what we've tried to do is really apply um, a, a God who insists on parting in honor of his son. And the reason why that is, is because the son has done everything in his life, death and resurrection to reconcile all things. So it is finished. And that is the lens through which we are trying to view uh, the scriptures. And I would say we're a pretty good company with using that as a, as a filter. Yeah, I would agree. Just, and the reason why I agree is um, because it's what Jesus said. (laughs) (laughs) So so I, I had somebody recently at a, that I was talking with at a bar that started listening to LARCast. And he goes, he's like, man, like, it's crazy what you guys do on there. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, just let Jesus's words speak for themselves. And he goes, yes. It just seems like, you know, that there's just always an agenda that can crowd out what he's, what he's really saying, because then it really does lay you bare, mm. you know, and it takes away your 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 whole platform that you're trying to you know to build up and if yeah. you trust him it's life-giving but if you haven't it it can be a be a little nerve rattling well so. and if and if you get if you get his character wrong if you get him wrong yeah. um that's uh you could say that that is the whole point of of today's parable but we i know we've been talking about partying a lot mm-hmm. in our last handful of podcasts uh, did you ever see the Key and Peele uh, nonstop party sketch? <laughs> you haven't seen that? No, I mean, I've seen others, so I can imagine how good it is, but I haven't yeah. seen it. So <laughs> I I thought about this because, you know, we, we, we don't have a, we don't have a party motif today. Um, that's not to say that, that the God who insists on partying or at, at his heart is joy, laughter, and celebration isn't present. Yeah. But in this Key and Peele uh, sketch, they're stuck in an LMFAO music video. And they're one of those like just pop bands that just like always sing about partying and the party don't stop. Yep. Um, and eventually it this uh, music video, like it turns into hell. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so they're trying to escape, but they can't. And in the end, they kill themselves only to be right back where they started at the party Ooh. that won't stop. And so <laughs> it's funny, man. Like they, they start setting up jello shots, like in spelling out, help me, you know, <laughs> trying to like, they're trying to get out and they just, they can't do it. It's, it's pretty great. But uh, I'll be, I bring I'll that be up. looking this up. Yeah. I bring that up just to say we are leaving the party today. We are headed to the world of finance and investment. Our parables in Matthew 25, 14. Let me see. Our parables in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Hmm. And like all the rest of these parables, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. And we're going to jump in. You cool with that, man? Yeah, dude. Fire away. Okay. It's a good story to unpack. Yeah, 25, 14. 
for it will be like a man. Um, I'm assuming since everything that we've been seeing in the immediate context, it is the kingdom or what the kingdom will be. We're kind of moving towards this idea of last things, last days, the culmination of human history for it. The kingdom will be on the, like on that day. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property to one. He gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So again, we see the absence there. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two made two more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. This is an actual human. It's not a dog. He actually took the talent and dug it buried it in the ground. Mm. Um, now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents says, here, I've made five more. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, so I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who had two came forward saying, master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had only received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you don't sow, gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here we have it. Here's our parable. Again, probably a familiar one to some of you. If not, if this is your first time hearing this, um, we are going to get into maybe some of the misunderstandings of this, but some similarities from the one last week. You know, last week we did the king's uh, son's wedding, the party in honor of the son. At the end, there was outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. We've gotten into that um, before in, in the past. But um, I guess I'll just kick us off with this question, Russ. What has been your experience in the past with this parable? Like, how did you hear it? How have you preached it, taught it before? Um, what's been your experience? My experience with the parable is it's the place where the sweet Jesus of lambs and orphans goes to die. That's, that was my experience. Uh, you know, I started th you know, thinking about this parable and coming into it. I, I was reminded of just, I was reminded just that, you know, the moment where I came to know Jesus, right. The moment where I like believe like, man, he really is who he said he was. Hmm. And I did so out of this place of desperation in my life because of a myriad of factors, most of them caused by my own doing. Um, and so hearing about a God who was in the business of finding what is lost was just really life-giving, man. Mm -hmm. um, hearing about a God who was crazy about broken people brought 
like brought my soul to life, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, it gave me hope. It, it ushered in a sense of meaning and purpose like I had never found before. But as I got more involved in the, in the church world and started hearing these stories of Jesus, eventually we came to this parable, the one that you just read. And the understanding of a God who, who dies for the world disappeared. And in its place came an understanding of a God who demands things from the world. It was, it was yeah. a, a true like shift. So it's almost like somehow all the parables about what God is really like that Jesus has been telling this father who throws parties for wayward son, this shepherd who leaves, you know, the, the, the flock to go and find the, you know, the one who wandered off a business owner who pays full wages for people who just showed up, man, that he paid for people who were all day just because he's that good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like all of that basically just disappeared and it's forgotten in this parable, of the talents. So Again, it's like, this is where the God who demands becomes fixed in our minds, or at least that's where it happened for me. And so I would hear these, you know, this story and the, there's this like fear, I would say is probably the best way to put it. That would come over me. This, I was immediately taught to fear this, um, wasting my money or wait a second. You can't say it that way. As I learned early in the church. There was a fear of wasting the money that God had entrusted to me, you know, that's like, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you gotta change all your lingo. Um, and so there's like this living with the shame that comes from not bringing in a serious return. Um, you know, living with the worry that he's not going to trust me with more because of, you know, some choices that maybe I, that I didn't make um, mm. or worse living with this fear, this worry that my opportunity has passed me by. Okay. Mm. You could like cue the Eminem lyrics right there. You know, opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. Mom's you know spaghetti, I mean? something like that. Something like that, dude. It yeah. just made me kind of think about that song. I don't know why I just laughed. And so there's like these, it, it was just everything just sort of a, just definitely became a, a, a life of fear moving forward in this need to be faithful. But at the same time, if I'm being honest at the moments of laying down on my pillow at night, realizing I'm not as good as I actually need to be. I'm not bringing about what I really think I should, if he's going to be pleased when he comes back and dude, just to be clear, that's where it gets even weirder because in the English language, we hear talents and we don't think money or investment. Okay. We don't think about a nobleman, God, right. You know, handing us something in to, in, to invest. We hear talents and it's like, oh yeah, dude, you don't want to waste your talents, man. And all of a sudden there's this whole nother level of fear that was brought in from this parable because now I'm going, man, it's not just about money, dude. This is like, this is, you know, this is about spiritual gifts, man. This is about your skills, your talents, your attributes. Are you really bringing them, you know what I mean? To the, to the work of the kingdom. And so this like world that's in love with an imaginary winner circle, myself included, lives in this constant fear of missing out. You know, we see it right there in the garden. And that fear always gets dragged into this story from Jesus. And now it's, now it's all, now it's like, it's sort of mounded up from there. Don't waste your gifts too, by the way, is what we're told. Don't right. miss out on the impact that you could make in the world. Right. Put your unique gift set to work for the kingdom. Um, and it can happen if you truly know how to invest wisely. 
and you yeah. do it faithfully. And dude, that like, was, pfft, yeah, expectation overload. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it's it's really hard not to hear conditionality in the story or to think upon immediately hearing this parable that it's undoing everything else that we've, you know, kind of uh, unpacked so far. Have you done yeah. enough, loved enough, invested in the kingdom enough? Have you too chose to sit on some opportunities and not, you know, pulled, you know, the trigger? I remember when I was doing young adult ministry before I jumped into like full-time ministry, I was still like swinging a hammer, working construction. And I was just like serving at our church and jumping in with like these young adults and, um, you know, 20 somethings. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember like the weekend was like, was like really hitting this parable hard with everything that you just said. And our big idea was like, dude, let's take, you know, some of our budget. Let's do this pancake breakfast. And we're going to like, you know, everyone's going to jump in and we're going to like turn this money, you know, we're going to turn this 500 to a grand, you know, or 1200 <laughs> and give it to like these missionaries or whatever. And I remember we all had this sense of like, yeah, dude, we like crushing this passage, you know? <laughs> and, um, but That's you so know, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, growing up, you know, obviously being on staff at a church for, you know, being someone who's been a part of a church and on staff at a church for, you know, 10 plus years, you'd always yeah. hear this parable within the context of giving or needing volunteers. Mm. Right. So like whenever it was like time to like, we were behind on budget, we need to make a push. Um, or like, we really needed to like up the volunteer game. You'd always hear this yeah. passage preached and it was almost like, well, you don't want to be cast into outer darkness. Right. So yeah. you better drop some money in the plate and go sign up to serve in the comments. Bro, all, you the can... all the ministry tables are going to be lined up. Go out there. Don't waste your talents. Don't be in outer darkness. Go, go sign up to, to be part of the children's ministry. So yes, I have, I have definitely seen mm. this and I'm laughing, but it's really not funny because it, it, it introduces a level of judgment yeah. and fear but the, the, the whole point we're going to, we're going to get to it. It, it, it's the fear that's at the heart of this, right? Why this master calls this guy wicked and lazy it's because of fear. And yet this whole yeah. thing is used right to kind of like drive, drive fear. Yeah. You, um, cause you know, the thing that we always have to remember is if you're interpreting scripture without scripture, you're never going to arrive to what God's actually saying to us. Yeah. So we always interpret it right with itself. And so there's all the, what I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is when you look at all the stories that we've unpacked in accordance to what Jesus actually said in these parables, I mean, we got what, 18 of them that we've unpacked on the Larkcast now. Yeah. This is our 20th parable to get to this one and go, well, this is where God totally contradicts himself and enters <laughs> in a whole different picture. And then just like we buy it hook, line and sinker. Yeah. We have to look at this in light of what he said. And when we do and look at the story, it's like, ah, oh, this shouldn't be causing fear at all. So before we get into it, right on the kind of the, the edge here, just so that, again, like interpreting scripture with scripture and, and using some of these same principles, where do we see inclusion before exclusion here? I would say the fact that the nobleman, right? Um, you know, the he's kind of like a shifty salesman, if you will, right? 
has these servants with an investment opportunity. And he gets, you know, as a story that Jesus tells, he gets, you know, he gives each one um, a different amount according, you know, to their ability. And it's in looking at that story, we realize, oh, they're all included. He's already found them all to be someone that he knows and trusts, to which case he says, here, take this. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. And again, it's like, I think he, they're all he included. Invests, yeah. He, in, he invests according to their skill set, which, you know, yeah, if I was an investor, I would do, I would do the same. Yep. And it's like, here's this guy, man, I'm going to, I'm going to invest five talents, two and one in this person really quick. So people, so this can live in people's brains, um, a talent. I mean, we're talking about tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, this is not like, Hey dude, here's 500 bucks out of the ministry budget. Like go see yeah. what you can make with this. Do Go see if you can get 1200. Yeah. yeah. This is a this little is different. Like a real, this is a real deal investment. Like there's yeah. some real, there's some real risk, um, mm-hmm. at, at stake here for this investor. Yeah, I would, uh, I would fully agree. Um, can we get, can we give them names? Can we give these people names just for the, for the fun of it? Sure. So who's the five, who gets the five? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and borrow from one of our favorite theologians who's uh who's who's left this temporary planet and uh he he referred to him as he referred to the one who got the five as all-star amy (laughs) all-star all-star amy Amy got the five i feel like bringing it into the modern world be like you know trustworthy tristan you know you just think of a dude who's like hair is all dialed in he's like ready to just like prove himself to the boss he's wanting to climb that ladder that perfect hair the (laughs) lawyer dude in uh yellowstone I think he played in the Hunger Games. The first one had like that perfect helmet hair. Kind of like me. Kind of like me. And uh, called, uh, he referred to um, the one who got two talents as count on it, Carl. <laughs> you just know, like, he's not worthy of the five, but you know, he's just gonna, he's gonna yeah. come through. He's gonna come through, man. So you got, you got all-star Amy, you got count on it, Carl. <laughs> and then for the other dude, <laughs> He said, for the low life, who only gets one, we're just going to call him Loser Larry. <laughs> Slothful so, Sam. I like it. Let's go with, you know, we'll, we'll make up some new names. We got Sam the Sloth. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to call it uh, Killing It, Killing It Karen. <laughs> she, she gets five. Trustworthy Tristan gets two, and Slothful Sam gets one. He gets one. Well, yeah. you're, well, very quickly, you're like, well, is Sam, is this the name of this dude's dog? Because he takes this talent and goes and like digs a hole in the backyard and just puts it in the ground and then puts the dirt over it. Well, yeah, because the nobleman's like, hey, here's an investment. Let's go see what you'll do with it. And you can just imagine that slothful Sam is this guy who's like just knows he's one more infraction, man, from the breadline. <laughs> you know, like he just knows if I get. If I do one more thing wrong here, I'm yeah. getting canned, bro. It, so, it's not odd that he gets an email from HR. Those aren't like a big surprise yeah. to him. Yeah, he's been written up a few times. He has. And so you, it's like you can imagine that for him, he thinks it's like the wisest thing he can do is just wrap this thing up in a napkin, bro, and go bury it in the ground. Yeah. Not tell anybody where it is. Like, I'm just, I'm just leaving it here, man. You can hear his thought process. It's almost like, man... 
just imagine what the boss is going to say. I'm on the rocks with this guy. And uh, <laughs> if I lose this one, dude, it's over. So I ain't, I ain't risking it. I ain't risking it. I need this job. <laughs> so he, he just buries it in the ground. And of course, we know the story that Jesus tells us really simple, right? The other two went and invested it in other places and they brought in a return, man. Right. So both of them doubled. Yeah. yeah. Um, except for, um, except for slothful Sam. And I, and I think really the yeah. rubber meets the road in this parable on the interaction yep. um, when he comes back and discovers that Sam really just kind of hands him back what was originally given him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The nobleman, he shows up as expected. Uh, we see that in other parables. And yeah, man, when, as far as Sam goes, you know, he's just, he's just handing him back what he gave him. And from what we can tell in the story, the nobleman is pretty irate, man. He won't hear his, his excuses. Basically just tells him to pack, you know, pack your desk, man, cast this worthless servant out into the outer darkness. I'm done with this. Be done with it. And Jesus kind of gives his listeners, you know, the, the following warning, right? He says for everyone who has, will more be given and he will have an abundance but from one from but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and as you said earlier dude like you can't help but hear the conditionality in the story mm -hmm. right at first glance um you know it, it doesn't sound like the sweet jesus of orphans and right and, and lambs this sounds like the the serious jesus of judgment dude that i was afraid of the one that I was told about later on, okay, and 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 coming in, you know, and coming to faith in him, he was the the one that was hiding behind the curtain, man, that I was afraid of. He's a, you, you almost kind of feel like you get this picture of this expectant landlord who is who is looking for what he's due and he's threatening an eviction, man. He's uh, the expectant boss who's focused on productivity. And he is threatening a firing, man, for those who don't come through. And, dude, I feel like our seeing it this way has provoked leagues, leagues of burnout in the name of God and church, man. Yeah, I think um, it would be a good opportunity now to bring up, like, really, what, what was at the heart of, of this judgment? Like, is it simply just, like, looking at the numbers, you know, like, Mm. two produce two more five produce five more but one didn't do anything is it just simply the outcomes because i don't think that that's really the case at all i think mm -hmm. the the devil's in the details again with this parable the most important thing to hone in on is what was the understanding that slothful sam had of yes. this investor yeah how, who did he believe him to be? Because the God you're describing that would be the person who would hand down such a parable unto our, right? Just like working really, really hard to hear well mm -hmm. done and good and faithful servant all while we, right? Neglect everything around us and burn out in the process is kind of the God that Slothful Sam describes here. Oh, it's, it's exactly what it describes, dude. It's, it's, uh, 
it's I, I feel like it's in the it's in these moments, man, when we have to we have to turn our minds, literally the word repentance, right? Change your mind. You have to change your mind from what you're feeling to what Jesus is actually saying. The nobleman in this story is, is handing out some serious cash to invest in people. Okay. Serious loss could be at risk here, unless, of course, you've got all the money in the world. And I think we need to also remind ourselves that there's no insurance going on in this day and time. There's nothing to back up this investment, right? And so like, you're looking at this whole story and going, dude, the nobleman is angry in this story, not because of the squandered opportunity for some like measly profit from a dude that he handed one talent to. I don't think he's expecting much here. Um, the nobleman seems to be angry because slothful Sam, dude, was too afraid to take any risks. And he was too afraid to take any risks because he had no idea what this nobleman was really like. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's what Jesus is showing us. Yep. Yeah. We need to camp out here. Um, the slothful Sam has a misunderstanding of who God is master. I knew you to be a hard man. Well, that sounds much different than the come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Right. For I'm, I'll gentle, give you rest. I'm gentle and lowly at heart. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you rest master. I knew you to be a hard man. That's not, that's not the God I know. Reaping where you did not sow. Well, what did we learn from the parable of the sower? <laughs> right. He sows everywhere. He yes. sowed the seed of his son throughout the entire world. There's not a single place where he hasn't sown. Yep. In fact, he's a God who gives, not a God who takes. Yeah. You know, he's a God of grace. Grace is a gift. He's a God who gives gifts. He's not a, he's not a pillager, right? He's not right. a taker. He's yep. a, he's a giver. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. You're yeah. a Mr. Potter type. You're a penny pincher. You're a bookkeeper. You're, you work, you're an, you're a staunch mm. IRS worker. Um, yep. And so because of that, he says, I was afraid. Mm. First John says, perfect love casts out fear. Love is the thing of faith. Yeah. Fear is not a faith. Fear is not the result of someone who knows who this God really is. And so, and so this master, he plays on his misunderstanding. He says, okay, well, if you knew that, if that was your understanding of me, then yeah. why didn't you just do the bare bones minimum and just put this thing into a savings account? Yep. You at least why got back 2%. Just the, <laughs> the bare bones minimum, the most simple non-risky thing that you knew that was going to double this thing. After all, I've em employed you for a reason. You're here. Something mm -hmm. in your past, something in your history, something in your resume would lead me to believe that you would know how to do something with a talent. Mm -hmm. And really the judgment comes down, not because one didn't turn it into two. Yep. This guy has no idea who this guy is who this master is. Yep. He doesn't yeah, know him. That's it. Depart I from love, me for I never knew you. Never I don't knew know you. you. You don't know me. I don't know you. Yep. 
That's literally what he's saying. Because even when Jesus, when Jesus in the story gives detail to how slothful Sam sees the nobleman, sees the father, sees what God is like, he says opposite. You've already brought it up. He, he says things that are contradictory to what Jesus has already declared right. what he is like. Mm-hmm. And that is where the judgment falls, man. The parable is a judgment on the God of our fears. That's what Jesus is saying. This is a parable. Um, this is a judgment on the God of our fears. If you see me as a creditor, as a bookkeeper, as a warden, then you obviously don't know me. To drive home further that this parable really is about not what you produce, but with the beliefs that are at the core of what we do. Yeah. He says to the one who from five yielded 10 and from two yielded four, he says, well done, good and faithful. He calls them faithful. And I know we've talked about this again, but we see this word faithful. And it's Mm. crazy to me that we've removed the idea of faith from the word faithfulness. Yeah. We've strictly relegated it to the things that we do not the understanding of who God is and the trust that's at the core of this faithfulness. Yeah. To be faithful would be by definition in its root, you know, in its root standing is to be full of faith Mm -hmm. and faith is belief. It's trust in someone you cannot see. Mm -hmm. It's to, it's to take him at his word, to trust him, to believe in him. Faith. The scriptures yeah. refer to it as a gift, um, but we take that and turn it into a list of these things that we need to go and do, and we, and we call that faithfulness. No, faithfulness would be to go through your life believing by faith in who Jesus has said he is and what he's done. And then Just, watching that understanding, watching that you know you're held by a love that just will not let you go. Yeah. That no amount of doing will make him love you more and no amount of failing will make him love you less that mm-hmm. anything done, whether good or bad is not going to affect, right. The reality that he's already given us his righteousness as a gift. He saved us as a gift. Um, it comes by faith, not by works. Yeah. And knowing, knowing that doesn't lead to fear, but leads to freedom. Yeah. And everybody knows that when you work out of freedom and not fear, you always, always produce like you just, you work better. You function better. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but Google did a, a study on like what makes like good, just work teams. Like what makes a team really work well and produce well. And the number one thing on the list was intellectual safety. When people didn't fear that there, maybe my idea might be bad or, you know what I'm saying? They didn't fear, you know, screwing up or holy cow, dude, I better take this one talent and like not lose it all. Right. And this fear, like, I think it's just a natural human phenomena. The fear, fear never gets us anything that we want. No, it enslaves, man. Yes. And slaves, because ultimately, I feel like at the core of fear is, is the belief, the idea, the myth of independence. 
see, you know, for those listening here, the word independence is one word, but according to scripture, freedom comes in dependence, two words in space dependence. It's in him, man, that we find life and joy and meaning and purpose. It's out of this life that we find and live in uninhibited freedom. It's a life of dependence on one that we don't need to fear. But if you, if you don't see that, then enters fear. And with it, the myth of independence. Mm-hmm. And from that, uh, actually a life of slavery. Mm. It's the opposite of what you're actually after. And it all starts with just seeing him for who he is and what he's like. So I feel like in the parable, Jesus is pointing us to a God who is not the penny pinching type, right? He's instead the gambling type. It seems to be what he's really like. Someone's head just exploded. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just quote him because he could say it better than me. But, you know, in the the book, uh, uh, The Man Who Met God in a Bar, Haven says the gift of grace is not a reward for hard work or good behavior. It is a lark, a joke, a hilariously inequable regress. As in like, what is that? Generosity, right? What that word means? It's a generosity. It is in a word, a gift. Don't you see? Slothful Sam was put that right there in the blank. It's all a game. All that matters is that you play it all. Not that you play well or badly. You could have earned a million with the money I gave you, or you could have earned two cents. You could have even went and blown it all on the horses for all I care. At least that way, you would have been a gambler after my own heart. But when you crawl in here and insult me, me, Mr. Risk himself, by telling me that you decided that I couldn't be trusted enough for you to gamble on a two-bit loss from a one talent that I gave you, that, that to come in here and tell me that I'm somehow some legalistic type who only works by the books. Have you completely missed who I am and what I'm like? Right. That's, that's what Jesus is showing us here, man. We cannot get out from underneath the fact that what we believe will no doubt inevitably make its way out into the world with our mouths, our hands and our feet. Yeah. And so, yes, in a certain sense, it is faith and action, but really at the core of all this is faith. Judgment comes onto slothful Sam because he's operating in good faith to the wrong God. Bingo. Say that he's again. Trust, he's trusting in a <laughs> God that doesn't exist. Yeah. Judgment falls on faith and unfaith and action. And as we can see here, there's no possible way, right? for who we believe God to be to not make its way out into our hands, our feet, our mouths, our lives. And that is both a comfort and, and scary, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're a mixture of God at work in us, living his life through us and this brokenness, man. Yeah. It's frailty that we all exude the most important question. And the question that this parable is begging us to ask is what is God like? Yeah. And if you're lurking on Lark and the Lark has, <laughs> if you've been lurking around, right? Yeah. And kind of kicking the tires, peeking over the fence. This is the thing that we could keep coming back to over and over again is what is God like? Yeah. And if you're lurking around in life, 
This is the conversation you want to be having with people because this is far more important than what you're doing. Mm. Because as we've seen in the story of the New Testament, you have a lot of people who are doing a lot of things, who have a lot of great resumes, fantastic yeah. resumes. And if you reduce this, this, this parable and the story to just what you produce and don't get to the heart of who you believe God to be like, you are missing not only this parable, you are missing the scriptures entirely. Yeah. Which is what Jesus continually does in and through every single one of these parables is point us to this picture of what God is really like. So the other day, man, somebody had reached out to us and said, Hey man, I noticed that, you know, the way you guys are teaching, how you're unpacking this and Lark and all that you're about. Is that really all you're doing? You're just helping people see what God's really like. What about all the other things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians? And I said, bro, that's above our pay grade. He goes, excuse me. I said, that's above our pay grade. And just a little encouragement for you. you might find some relief in this. If you're willing to be honest, it's above your pay grade too. Transformation is not our department. Branches don't tell vines what to do. They especially don't tell the gardener how to operate everything. Jesus made it clear that that whole operation is his, not ours. We're the branch in the equation. And when we get this gardener complex, dude, we just enslave ourselves to a task we can never complete. Yeah. One that crushes us and eventually crushes the people that are in and around us. Mm -hmm. So we're all for transformation. We just believe that it happens without us. And most of the time, in spite of us, because God's just that good. Yeah. But the seeing what he's like and learning to trust him, that's the part that we play in. Yeah. All I else is, is, that's not us, man. Yeah. And I also think God, who is the maker of humanity, who became human himself, knows a little something about how the human heart works. And I could, if I could just say that quote that you read from Capen, that was the inspiration for naming Lark. And just mm. looking at who God is and what he's like, we just thought, my gosh, this word, right? This word yeah. Lark, that means something done because you're experiencing uninhibited freedom. It's yes. this lighthearted playfulness. This thing that really is not worried about getting it right, screwing it up, right? Producing, making two into four and five into 10 and, but totally just experiencing uninhibited freedom. Yeah. God knows how the human heart works and fear has never done it. Fear, yeah. which comes from the law, which comes from an, a misunderstanding of what God's like. It, it, it never has produced the things that we've wanted. Listen, this is the, this is, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Okay. We are held by a love that will not let us go. We are safely and securely buried, raised, and hidden in Christ. Do you honestly think that he has set us free so that we can be free, just so we can sit around worrying at every turn if we're getting it right <laughs> or overthinking whether or not something is in his will? Am mm. I saying that we should throw wisdom out the window? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is that we should throw radical introspection, paralyzing fear, a theology of glory and false ideas of who he is and a damaging understanding of how he judges out the window. 
I also know that we've covered a lot of those things, those fearful things under the guise of wisdom. You are free. Please hear me. You are free. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, it is, it is for turning five into 10 and two into four is why he set us free. No, 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 no. Paul says it's for freedom. For he set us free so that yeah. we can be free. Here's the question. What will you do now that you know you're free? What will you do with your freedom? Mm. And I'm talking to some real specific people here yeah. who I've been having this conversation with, and they are, they've moved maybe away from the secure things that they've known in the past, whether it be certain theological systems, maybe, um, you know, an idea of church and they're kind of in limbo and it's scaring the absolute shit out of them. Yeah. Because they're brushing up against freedom and they are, they're really scared your whole life. You've been doing what you, your parents, your church and your tribe think you should do. What is he calling you into? What is the, what is the thing? What's the thing that's burning at your heart? What does he want you to go and do? Who's he calling you to love and to serve? It could be something big. It could be something minuscule without fear or worry of failing, knowing confidently that he is with you always to the end of the age and will never leave you and never forsake you. What will you do? And if we frame doing in this parable, it freaking better be in that context. Yeah. Um, because if, if not, you are going to hand off fear out of judgment of not turning five into 10, two into four. And we are going to do damaging, damning, I would yeah. say, I dare I'd say damning uh, damage to people who trust us and listen to us. It's a good word, man. It's, uh, I agree with you. And I can, I can totally identify with anyone who's hearing that, who's in that point of wrestling. You know, I know your story like mine was a walking away from everything I knew and it built my entire life in my whole family's livelihood on man and pastoring a church church is planting them to move into still being a part of the church for sure. Yeah. But just really just trying to get back to what Jesus really said and helping people walk in that, because this is one of those occasions, man, in the scriptures where Jesus is declaring a judgment upon the God of our fears. That's what he's doing here. And he's doing this because no one should have to spend their life operating in good faith to the wrong God. Yeah. What a damn shame that would be. And I can remember being in that tension point in my life back in 2013. And one of the things that I came across was really helpful, man, in light of this very story was, was this quote about how play, which is ultimately what God is pushing us to here is only possible when faith is no longer something you prove, but something you've been given. Mm. When God is not waiting upon your getting serious about him, mm. play happens when you are invited outside the cathedrals of your own inner sanctity 
and you have the, I love this, and you have the absence of mind to muck about in the world. School's out and summer's in. You are free to throw some paint around, build a fort, binge watch a new show, make love, take a nap. (laughs) Just like in this terrible parable, God asks only that we trust him at his word, that you really are free. And just see that he's this God who's like just thrown play money out into the world. He's just thrown play money out into the cosmos and invited us all to come play around and invest like there's nothing to lose because there's nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And yet we'll live our whole lives as if there's something to win. And it's just a myth, especially in light of the fact that we're worshiping a God who came and lost royally on our behalf. Yeah. (laughs) dude. It's like, does it get any better than this? Yeah. So it'd be a damn shame to man to be that person who's cast out in the outer darkness. We're just weeping and gnashing of teeth, Jesus says. Because we spent our whole lives pursuing a lie. Yeah, I think, man, it's just, it's awesome. I think we could just end the podcast right there to just ask, like, really just honestly ask yourself, like, who, who do you think God is? Yeah. Honestly, like I know in, there, there's a difference between how you would fill out like a quiz or a test and giving the right Bible answers to what he's like and verses that attach to that to the functional, how am I really operating in life? And what is that saying about what I think about him? I think those are two different things. So honestly yeah. ask yourself, like, is there fear at the heart of a lot of the decisions that you make? I would seriously ask that. And one thing I wanted to bring up here at the end where he says for everyone who has more will be given and he, he, or, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. I think there's a lot of people who think they have faith Mm -hmm. and really they've labeled faith um, as a lot of things that they can control like systems of doctrine, um, faithful behaviors, attendance at church, um, doing the right things, avoiding the right things. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Things that they can control and they've called it, they've called it faith. And again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling those things, those things bad, but it's really interesting to me that Jesus doesn't really care about outcomes or things that on the surface appear to be good. He's the one that looked at Pharisees and said, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You're like a, you're like a house that has a fresh, right? It's been freshly sided with hardy, hardy siding. Mm. This beautiful cement board, right? Freshly painted, right? The best like in, in season popular color on the outside. This house looks amazing, but inside it's full of just death. And yeah. I think you see like the person who thinks that they have, it's going to be taken away. Holy crap. All this stuff that I thought was actually faith was just me ensuring that I will hear good, well done, good and faithful servant. And I've been operating in good faith to the wrong God. You could literally say it like, like I've been, what I thought would be a reward of my faith turned out to be, I didn't believe at all, actually. Yeah, that's crazy. 
I it mean, is. think about like the people who are like, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Did we not do that? You know, they're like completely surprised. Yep. And then here it's like the person who has more will be more will be given. And I think, I think I've experienced this to a degree because trusting God can appear to be and feels very scary. It feels very risky at times because yeah. he's not going to dot all the I's and cross all the T's for you. Nor is he going to tell you the future. And there's times where he's really just calling you out to where he is and saying, come follow me, right? Follow me in your life. Follow me in others' lives. And it's freaking scary. And I remember having a life that was built around being a professional Christian. And there really wasn't a lot of faith at all. Everything was very controlled and it was within a controlled environment. And I remember, I remember him so working in my life in 2014 after I met you and calling me into something that was just like, it made zero sense, man. All my friends around me were saying, you're in sin, dude. You're walking away from something you're gifted at. I don't get this. I don't understand this. Even people, the people that were closest to me would just like, just walked away and confronted me instead of encouraged me. It was so lonely, dude. It was so lonely. But I remember just like walking in that. And at the heart of it was this real understanding of, uh, of God and this, my understanding and an idea of good news was expanding to be truly good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. really good. And I think when we just trust him in that, there's ways that he just adds to our faith, right? That risky thing that seems so impossible, you know, however many years ago, it's kind of like becomes almost kind of like a way in which you live. The righteous shall live by, by faith. And what seems scary right now, later on, I think more will be added to that. And I think it's just a beautiful thing where he, he's just saying, Hey, if you're trusting me now, man, I'm just going to give you more trust. I'm going to give you more faith. I'm just going to keep giving that to you as a gift. Cause I'm good. Yeah. And you're saying yes to me. Yes. That's why they call it good news. I think that's ultimately man. What I hear in all that is we called it good news, but it was never really that good. But when all of a sudden you really grab on to the good news, then more good will just keep being added. And I'm not meaning like good as in all of a sudden now you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and <laughs> you know what I mean, and fit and all these other things. But just good in the sense that you're just going to continue to experience the wonder, man. The wonder that comes from risk the wonder that leads to, to the life that you're actually really longing for. And it'll just keep becoming more and more wonderful. So amen to it, man. Amen to it. Good podcast. We hope you were encouraged. If so, if you've been lurking and you haven't reached out to us, man, introduce yeah. yourself, right? We're yeah. just about to kick off a, a tour. 2021 2022 we announced it last week all inquiries at howdy at larksite.com email us if you got a crew of people that have been coming around the podcast if you got some friends that you just are like man i want to introduce 
these guys or this content to my friends. I think it would be really encouraging as we discover what is God like. And it could be maybe encouraging for what we want to see in our city or my neighborhood or my street or my workplace or my my campus, whatever it might be. Yeah. We are hitting the road, man. And we are coming and meeting people that are part of the tribe who've been coming around this conversation. We're going to eat with you, drink with you, toast with you, laugh with you. Um, all that. So hit us up. Howdy at larkside.com. Introduce yourself. It's been a joy. Good podcast today. Yeah, man. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.